Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Do Skincare and the co-founder of Nice Paper. Welcome, Charlotte Palermino. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good, you know, just socially isolating and doing all the things to my face. <laughs> so we were just having like a full-blown intense skincare conversation before this, which is what the bulk of this episode is going to be about because Charlotte is someone who I genuinely like there are very few people on the internet who I trust when they talk about skin, but like you're someone who you talk about skin not from like just your feelings and opinions. It's all really factual. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on because I think that you can share a lot of knowledge with the listeners. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's just a really interesting space. Um, started off being a beauty writer, then actually went into formulation. And then now I actually work with dermatologists and clinical chemists. So it's really opened up my eyes and I'm starting esthetician school in a couple of weeks. Which is so cool. So wait, so you're starting esthetician school. So you haven't started it yet. You're still starting in a few weeks. Exactly. So right now I just have all the books and I'm just basically studying because I am a complete uh, keener in that way. So I'm right now just reading up on everything. But working with clinical chemists has really opened up my eyes. It's been about two years now. So basically before I make any comments, I typically text uh, the clinical chemists and I'm like, hey, is this real or lie. And then they'll typically send me sourcing. So I like to look at peer reviewed studies. So that's where a lot of the information that I'm getting is coming from is peer review studies. And I tend to look for two to three before I make any inflammatory remarks. And yes, that is a pun on inflammation. <laughs> okay, really quick for people who might not know what's a peer reviewed study, just like a quick little right, synopsis. Right, right. So there are yeah. tons of clinical studies that are out in the market. And there are definitely some that are fine, even if they aren't peer reviewed. But I like peer reviewed clinical studies simply because it means that you have experts that are actually looking at the study to make sure that it was done in an appropriate way, and that you can actually use the results of said study. So for example, um, say, you know, there's a common idea about skincare and then a study comes out that challenges said idea. If it's not peer reviewed, then you're probably going to want to look for a couple of more data points. Gotcha. So it just basically scientists like re really thoroughly reviewing it, investigating it, giving you information that you can later, like, let's say you create a skincare line, you could be like 93% of people X, Y, and Z, right? Well, what's interesting is that a lot of the clinical studies that you see in the market are actually consumer perception reports. So basically you oh. use a product and then you get a survey. So um, where peer review, it's like, well, like it's, it's okay if you don't have it is if you actually have clinical grading. So for example, there is a machine called a tool meter and it's transepidermal water loss. And it physically measures how much water loss is taken in the skin um, before and after a product. So you can peer review that for sure. But also that clinical grading, you can't really fake it. So if you don't have like, it says basically a skincare brand is making a claim and they don't have clinical grading and they don't make it super clear exactly what machines they're using. They're basically using consumer perception. And as we know, placebo is very strong and like mm -hmm. Vaseline can make your skin look glowy, right? It's yeah. not really measuring things. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't think, yeah. Like just 
having like that's just like me testing something and being like, yeah, I like I like the way my skin looks. You know what I mean? Like that to me is is not sufficient kind of I don't know. It's not like a sufficient. Yeah, it's really uh, tricky how brands get around science and marketing. And it's just because consumer perception is cheaper and you just don't really have to prove anything. Yeah. Um, you're really like, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to get around. I mean, to be clear, when we're doing our clinical studies, we're obviously doing consumer perception to understand how people liked the product, but yeah. it's not necessarily something that we're going to be really jazzed about with claims. We're looking more at inflammation, redness, um, and looking at basically what happens to hyperpigmentation. Ooh, I hyperpigmentation is like something that I like, I don't really get breakouts that often. But when I do it always, always my skin loves to just like really leave that little pigment and like finding something that will actually help get rid of it. I mean, other than retinol, that's the one thing that I would say helps a little bit with it, which Okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about retinol. Yes. Like, okay. <laughs> I love <Because> retinol. <laughs> I, I love retinol too. I really love retinol. I, if anyone, I, that's the one product I would recommend if someone is like, I have these skin concerns. I'm like, try retinol. Just try retinol out. Why not? Mm-hmm. And and you talked about so. So Charlotte posts these Instagram stories, which are great because I know you save a lot of them to highlights and you were actually talking about like natural alternatives to retinol and you shared some information with me that I had never, I I never knew about before you spoke about it, which is that, um, the, it's called buck choil, right? Yes. (laughs) And, and I've noticed a lot of skincare brands are like, this is like a natural retinol, use this natural retinol. And I'm just kind of like, why would I use this when I could just use retinol. Like, you know what I, I mean? Know. What's, what's, really the ben- what's the actual benefit of it? So the thing is, let's, let's take a step back and talk about what retinol is. So it's basically yeah. a vitamin A derivative. And there are a few different kinds of retinol that you can get, right? So you can get over the counter, which is retinol. It needs to be converted into retinoic acid, which then talks to receptors in your skin. Um, when you're looking at things like trentinoin or adaptoline, which is the brand different that you can also get over the counter, that was actually, I believe, 2017 when the FDA allowed it to be sold over the counter and not through prescription. But those are already converted retinoic acid. So it's much stronger. And that's when you're looking for stronger effects, particularly around acne. But as we know, because it increases that cell turnover and boosts the thickness of your epidermal layer, which is the layer that's below the stratum corneum, it actually reduces aging as well. So the reason Mm. why retinol works is because it talks to these receptors Talking to receptors is actually what's important. It's like, I love people are like, I love hyaluronic acid. I'm like, it's temporary relief. It's actually not boosting the hyaluronic acid in your skin because it's just sitting there and it's going to go away. And actually lower and medium weight molecular um, hyaluronic acids have actually been shown to boost inflammation in your skin, which is definitely not good. Um, So when you're looking at retinol, what it's doing is that it's talking to these receptors, it's actually increasing collagen, it's stimulating those fibroblasts, and it's actually basically um, telling your skin to have a reaction. Um, So the thing is, is that retinol, it definitely does thin your first layer of skin, the stratum corneum. So you need to tread very cautiously because if you use too much too soon, you're definitely going to experience redness, flaking, sun sensitivity. And for me, low and slow, it's just like edibles. You really need to take it easy (laughs) and you don't want to do too much. But the thing is, is that when used properly, retinol is an incredible product and you actually don't always need over the counter um, or sorry, um, dermatologist um, prescription. 
um, Bacchus oil, which is what you brought up and how we got into this, it's been shown in some studies to actually also talk to receptors. But that being said, there's you have to look at context with these things. So with Bacchus oil, there's a report that came out of India that we're actually losing the biodiversity in the regions that are farming this. We're hurting the communities that farm it. And also that it's becoming an endangered plant because of our hunger for it. So while Bacchus oil might be great for certain things, even though I personally have never experienced the same effects with Bacchus oil as retinol, retinol is, in my opinion, a more effective product. I think Bacchus oil is only appropriate if you're pregnant. Um, because you can't be using retinol when you're pregnant yeah. because there is a potential risk, um, even though, you know, the risk, I'll leave it up to the derms to fully explain that <laughs> um, to the doctors. But at the end of the day, you have to look at what your actual impact is with ingredients. So for me, I actually don't recommend Bacchus oil if you're pregnant and if you're desperate, fine. But I think that the problem is, is that these things get really trendy. They become popularized. And after that, you decimate a plant that has been used, you know, locally, <laughs> indigenously for a really long yeah. time. So um, for me, it's just that- like looking at the big, the, the big picture, you know what I mean? It's not like, ooh, this is like natural. Yay. So it must be, it must be better. It's, it's looking at the big picture and seeing that it is actually actually affecting, you know, people in these situations where, you know, maybe they rely on these plants for, you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's I'm just, just nodding my head in complete yeah. agreement. And, you know, I think that there are certain crops that are great. Part of the reason why we like hemp, um, or, you know, cannabinoids like CBD, CBG, CBC, CBN, because CBD is not the only important one. It's a nice one, but there are plenty more that are promising, um, is because the crop actually sucks a lot of carbon out of the air and it can actually be used as a rotational crop for farms. So what we're seeing a lot in France, so my family south of France, they're farmers, um, what they're seeing is that a lot of people are starting to use hemp to actually rotate out crops to clean out the soil because it actually sucks up a lot of you know things from the soil, but it also replenishes it with carbon. So carbon is actually like totally fine. It just needs to be in the earth and not in the air. And that's our problem right now. So yeah. agriculture... Not everything is good for carbon footprints. They require a lot of water, in some cases, tons of preservatives. So you have to be really careful about what crop you're using. So for me, using hemp in skincare and not synthetics, I'm actually okay with it because it's actually a good crop to have in agricultural rotation. Other crops, like certain flowers, really good to know. I don't really love. Like, I don't really get why we are so obsessed with lavender and rose. I would rather just keep those either for aromatherapy because at the end of the day, the antioxidants and microbial properties that brands claim they have, they come with fragrance. I'm like not super jazzed about having any fragrance in my products. So, you know, for me, it's really about looking at the holistic picture rather than the really narrow-minded view of nature is going to save the planet because it's very rare when like pillaging nature for all of your ingredients and then scaling that in like a capitalistic way is going to be actually good for the environment. Like she wants to be leave to, like left alone. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Just, just leave her alone. Like let her breathe, give her a minute. And yeah, that's, I've noticed that so many of these so many products that I, I get sent, they're always like, it has these essential oils and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't feel like I want to put this on my face because the fragrance is going to irritate my skin. Like I know that mm-hmm. my skin is less likely to be irritated if a product is fragrance free. That's just a fact. I just know mm-hmm. I can try something out and it's less likely that I'm going to get like a little rash or like little bumps because I don't think anyone's skin is like, I love fragrance. Fragrance is great. This and I is think- really... 
I think the one thing where it's like, if it makes you use a product more because you like it and it's a good product otherwise, just ask the brand if the what the percentage is. If you're talking about fragrance at under, you know, 0.1%, or in some cases, I know some brands that use under 0.01%. And it's yeah. because their products, you know, they, that, that were clinically tested smell truly horrendous. I'm more okay with that because not everyone wants to slather ham on their faces, which is basically what all of my skincare smells like. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> this inscrutable CE Ferulic, it does Hot not water. smell, it doesn't smell good, but you know what? My skin looks good when I use it. Well, and... that's the thing. So, you know, <laughs> it's like if you're, and the good brands will be super transparent. You know, we have a dermatologist that we work with on uh, Do, and she has her own skincare line, Dr. Loretta. And I asked <gasps> her, I know, months, like, you know, I maybe <laughs> like eight months ago, I asked her, I was like, hey, this has essential oils in it. Like, is this like, I thought essential oils were bad. And she's like, look, this is at 0.01%. This is not going to irritate your skin. And she's like, in my experience, and she has 45 years of experience. When you're looking at the larger scale of people, they're not going to just suffer through bad smells. So I totally get that. And she's actually changed my perspective, which is why it is important to talk to dermatologists and chemists. But at the end of the day for do, we aren't going to have fragrance simply because I'm super sensitive to it. We'll keep it to like our hand <laughs> products and body products where your body is actually much more capable of handling smell. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. I I like things that smell good too, but I that I will keep it for my body care, my that type of stuff. Exactly. But also even that, you know, I still try to keep it w- reasonable. Like I'm not going to go use like a super crazy fragrance, but like a little bit of something, something I, I get it. It smells good. It smells nice. But also like, I'm still, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more conscious of the things that I put on my the skin on my body as well, because I'm like, it's, it's all kind of, you know, being absorbed, going into the same place. And I mean, I I think there's also just like so much information that's always like circulating and going around. And there's a lot of marketing telling us X, Y, and Z. And I think that's why it's so hard for people to be conscious about these things, because they don't even know where to start. And you talked about hyaluronic acid. And I was like, literally, (laughs) when, when you posted those Instagram stories, I was like, nodding. I was like, Oh my God. I was like sending it to friends because I was like, why is this the first time I've heard someone on Instagram talk about this? Like no one is talking about this. And it's funny because I did flub up a bit in the post and not really like flub up. It was more that like, I just wish I could have added, I did it on TikTok and I'm new to TikTok. I'm figuring it out. That post (laughs) is actually blowing up. I have like 400 followers and it has like over 30,000 views already. And I'm like, Holy Oh God. Shit. Yeah. Created a monster. But basically the thing is, is that for me, hyaluronic acid just as a whole has become really overhyped as an ingredient in skincare. So yeah. low and medium weight hyaluronic acid are increasingly being shown in research and studies and dermatologists back me up on this, that it actually releases pro inflammatory responses in your skin. So especially if you live in dry climates, what happens when you're putting on this low and medium weight molecular hyaluronic acid is that it's going deep into your skin and it's actually creating inflammation, which is not good for your skin. And it's actually going to like compromise your barrier. So you can't be constantly fighting off inflammation, a little bit of inflammation every once in a while. Yes, it's fine, but constant persistent inflammation, that's where you get conditions like rosacea and acne and perioral dermatitis. You don't want your skin constantly healing itself because it never gets a chance to rest. And that's where you get Mm -hmm. problems. High molecular weight hyaluronic acid, it's 
fine. I still think it's overhyped because at the end of the day, you want the hyaluronic acid to sit on the outside of your barrier to provide temporary relief of dryness. And then you want to put a lot of emollients and occlusives over it to trap it in so that it doesn't evaporate. And I think that's also something that's really important when using hyaluronic acid is is trapping it in. Like, because if you're not trapping it in, is it actually even doing anything if you're not like actually like kind of sealing it in with like yeah. a moisturizer and oil like to seal it keep it all in like I mean, is it is it gonna do moisture bar- the thing is is that you have a moisture barrier everybody has a moisture barrier if you don't then you probably have a really bad rash or some skin yeah. issues right that is an oil barrier so it's difficult for water-based ingredients to actually penetrate the skin which is why low and medium weight molecular hyaluronic acid have come into fruition is because like oh well it gets deeper into the skin you don't necessarily want that. The best way to hydrate your skin is actually to eat your beauty um, and also to repair that moisture barrier. So like that, you actually have something to trap in the water so that it doesn't go away. For me, I have super, super dry skin. So that also leads to dehydrated skin because I don't have a lot of oil on my face. So what do I do? I use a lot of ceramides. I also use a lot of brightening ingredients and lactic acids. Lactic acid can actually stimulate hyaluronic acid in the skin. I love lactic acid so much. (laughs) It's great. And it also helps with hyperpigmentation, which is more of a surface level problem. And for one of our first formulations, which we're doing clinical studies on um, cannabinoids, is that we're really looking for redness, inflammation, and hyperpigmentation by using gentle ingredients. Because the problem is, is that you're starting to see hyaluronic acid in everything. So for me, I was really talking more about these hyaluronic acid serums. I wasn't talking about hyaluronic acid in creams, which to me really don't bother me simply because there typically are occlusives and emollients in those products. So I kind of flubbed up on that. I should have made it super clear. I was only talking about serums, not really moisturizers. Well, that's also like, I think something that's like a good tip for people. And, and I think it also makes matters harder because a lot of skincare brands are not transparent about what percentage of what, and they'll just kind of like have all these ingredients and like, they're not really telling us what, how much of everything is in there. So how do we decipher, I guess, what kind of hyaluronic acid has a low molecular versus high molecular weight? You mean different products? Yes. Like how, how, like if we're, if we, let's say someone is like, I really, I still want to use a hyaluronic acid. Like how how would they be able to like kind of decipher that? Is there even a way like other than like messaging the brand? So low molecular and medium molecular weight ironically is more expensive. So not only are you paying more money for something that might be giving you irritation, I know I'm like (laughs) wonderful. Um, But at the end of the day, not everyone is going to react the same to products. Like some people can use the low and medium molecular weight and their skin is totally fine. Do I still recommend it generally? I'm like, it's not really a good investment of your money for the long-term health of your skin. Because also remember, sometimes it can take months to develop a sensitivity to something. Um, Even when we're talking about things like fragrance, really any ingredient. Um, But sodium hyaluronate is a really good indicator that you're using um, a low molecular weight hyaluronic acid. Okay. So to make comp- like matters even more complicated, where this does differ is when you eat your hyaluronic acid. So you know hydrolyzed collagen? 
like peptide collagen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So basically it's like broken down cow hooves or whatever. And it's like easier for your body to absorb it because it's more like the peptide chains and the amino acids that your body actually then uses for your skin. Yeah. Um, the same goes for hyaluronic acid. You actually want these broken down hydrolyzed um, hyaluronic acid pieces because then your skin uses it, but your body is digesting it first. And it's also building from the inside out and it's stimulating those um, reactions with hyaluronic acid when you're putting it on topically because it's like the way that you eat something is always going to be different than how you put it on your skin just like putting collagen on your face in a mask isn't going to do anything than temporary plumping the same is true for hyaluronic acid it's not going to be able to hold on to it and you're not actually boosting any reaction or boosting the amount of hyaluronic acid in your skin long term so it's really um it's really interesting. And just lastly, the FDA doesn't really regulate marketing um, from these companies. You just can't make drug claims. So as long as if companies can work around the creative language around that, (laughs) you're really on your own for deciphering the marketing claims. Good brands will tell you the percentage concentration of things. And one brand that I really like, um, I don't use all of their products. I haven't really tried many of their products, but I like how transparent they are is Chemist Confessions. So they have have a line and you you go to their website and I can see that they use 0.2% sodium hyaluronate in a cream. And I'm like, that's probably totally fine. And they're cosmetic chemists and they know what they're talking yeah. about. So that doesn't bother me. It's when I see 1.5% low molecular weight hyaluronic acid serums. That is a lot. And there's nothing to trap that in. So you're basically praying that the consumer knows to use a ton of creams and oils. And even then, it might still be hurting their actual um, inflammatory response. And I think that ultimately, like, I don't, I I would assume that other people feel this way about skincare is like, I want something that is going to help my skin long term. I don't just want like a quick fix that's going to make my skin look good for the day. Like I want it to just continuously like build on that and get better and better. And I'm just generally... I guess for lack of better words, investing in my skin. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of always my goal. Like I don't want all of this hard work. You know, I spend a lot of time on my skin. I don't want it to just be for like a temporary little fix. I want this to be like, I'm term health. Yeah. It's like, and I think that that's one thing where it's like, you know, my grandmother, you know, she's, you know, 86, she has incredible skin and love that for her. And it's very simple. You know, she taught me to wash my face at the end of the day when I was very young, always use a moisturizer, always use SPF, stay out of the sun and don't smoke. And, you know, I think that those are very basic things that most people can do that are very cost effective. And ultimately with do while we are looking at, you know, creating category changing products, we're ultimately looking to reduce your product use to max five products. Because at the end of the day, it gives me deep anxiety to see all these posts on Instagram with like a thousand products in somebody's beauty cabinet. It makes for great content, but I'm like, that's all going to waste. And that's a massive carbon footprint. And I'm definitely guilty of that. And because it's, it's, especially when you are like a skincare junkie, like myself, it's, it's, there's a lot of temptation there. Cause you're like, I know that I have a moisturizer that I'm using right now. And yeah, I like it, but like this one looks pretty juicy. I kind of want to try this one out, but I have, I will say I've gotten to the point where I'm not opening 
a new jar or a new tube or, or anything until I'm done with what I'm using, unless my skin absolutely hates it. I just, I can't get myself to do it because I'm like, it's going to sit on my shelf. It's going to go bad. I'm going to throw it away. What was the point of all of this? Nothing. And I just, and a lot of, for people who are shopping at like your Sephora's and stuff like that, if you don't like a product, just return it. Just, That's actually you know what a I really mean? good point. I never realized that you could do that with Sephora, um, yeah. but it is a really good like pro tip. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's not helping with waste. So actually, you know what, maybe give it to someone else who might like it better. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I, you're, I think there was a time where it was like really cool to like, be like, look at all of these products that I have, like almost like a, a collection, a skincare collection, which mm-hmm. again, I've been guilty of this. I love collecting skincare, beauty, whatever, but what I found to be the most effective for my skin is just like a handful of products that really work for me that I love. And I want to finish it and I want to use every last drop of it. And I think that my skin just likes that better rather than constantly constantly switching it out, which is basically a recipe for disaster. But like another thing I will say is that what worked for me when I was 25 does not work for me now at 33. And that's totally fine. Like things are going to change. Your functions are going to change. For me, I'm realizing that my skin is getting a lot more dry and the tone is becoming just a little bit like I don't have as much circulation in my face, which is very normal to happen as you get older. And I know I'm still very young. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, if I start boosting those things now, then I won't have to do triage when I get older and being like, all right, I have no more ceramide content left in my skin. Right? Like for me, I'm really bullish on ceramides. I really want everybody's moisture barrier to be really happy and healthy. I go on rants about oils all the time. Um, not because I don't think that they're essential. I actually love oils. I think it's my favorite step in my routine. I just don't think they should be expensive because there is no R and D that goes into it. No stability testing because it's an oil. Whereas with water-based products, you have to go through more of a stability test. And a lot of people just add essential oils, making crazy claims. And I'm sorry, but they are not active botanicals that are going to quote unquote boost cell turnover. There are very few ingredients that do that. But do I love my rosehip Trilogy Plus antioxidant oil? Yes. Do I love the claims they make around clean beauty? No, I think it's a bit nuts, but it's still a good product and it's $35. So I will give them my money. I'm just going to ignore their marketing that clean beauty is better for the environment and for your pores because I don't think that is true. I think it's a more nuanced conversation. I like, honestly, if I'm just, if everyone could see me just vigorously nodding my head right now, because, and, and, and don't get me wrong, like I, I, I can't help but also fall into the whole marketing of clean beauty. And there are some clean beauty brands that I actually think really do have good intentions. But for the most part, it really is just marketing. It really just is that. It's another and like- thing for brands to sell you on. I don't mind the clean beauty brands that are clean and don't fear monger. Right? Like yeah, I actually yeah. really like Say Beauty. There's a I like. Lot- There's so much fear mongering. So much fear mongering. Exactly. And I find that there are brands like Say Beauty that launch and like they don't make me scared, you know? And they're also using not just quote unquote natural ingredients. Um, But there are tons of products that just outright fear monger and make it sound like you're going to get like, you know, immediately cancer from using something. And when every dermatologist is telling you that parabens and the correct dose and and certain kinds of parabens are not endo, like are not going to be, you know, 
know, giving you breast cancer. It's like, do you believe the doctors or do you believe the influencers? Like, like, can we really just come together and coalesce on this? Because it's really, um, it's really scary, but also it's like at the end of the day, the most sustainable thing to do is to not launch a brand. Launching a brand requires packaging. Glass is very heavy and requires a massive carbon footprint to actually create said glass. To ship it, it increased the carbon footprint even further. So, you know, it's just like one of those things where it's like, and carbon is in the air. And that's actually why our forests are on fire. It's not because of plastic. It's like, um, I was remember I was talking to this one ecologist and he was like, do you want to die from plastic in the water or from the earth being on fire? Um, cause he's like, if you boil the ocean, that's certainly not good either. So yeah. clean beauty's response being like, Oh, well, sometimes they use plastic packaging. So just throw that out the window, but it's like, Oh, I use glass. I'm sustainable incorrect. That is not true. And you're actually shirking the responsibility of your company. When people say that there's zero waste, that is not true. Zero water. That is not true. It requires water to grow plants. It requires water to actually process that glass packaging that you're using. And for me, it's like, I just want companies to be really honest. And why are you on this retail shelf? Why are you selling? What are you doing that's different? And are your products proven? Because if not, guess what? The carbon footprint would be a lot lower if you just didn't exist. I mean, and, and that's, and that's exactly what, what it is. But the, the thing is, is that's never going to stop. People are going to never stop buying skincare. And it's so it's just like, I think the transparency is the most important part. Like, don't, don't fucking try to trick us. Like, just be honest about it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would make me feel a lot better rather than being fed just completely false information. Like exactly. it's just, and I mean, I never hate particularly cause we see a lot of women starting indie brands. I am never going to hate on somebody getting their bread, like go make your money. But I would really appreciate it if you used honesty and didn't use fear, which is a very powerful emotion to sell your product incorrectly, but also to provide a product that's not going to deliver on the results that you're claiming. So for me, it's more about that honesty and that transparency. So like that we actually can fix a problem because if you're in denial, you're never going to fix the problem. I just really don't get the fear mongering approach because there there's actually a beauty brand and the, the founder of it did a lot of fear mongering at some point, but at that point I had already owned these beauty products and I really liked them. And I just never, I was like, you make good products. I think you are trying your best to be sustainable, to be clean, but like, this is just unnecessary and kind of makes me not want to use your product anymore because Mm -hmm don't try to scare me into buying your product. I was already buying it and enjoying it and loving it. So it it just, I don't think it it helps at all. And I think that that approach is going to, it might be effective for now, but I think in a while, I think consumers are becoming more and more savvy and they're going to see right through that shit. And they're going to be like, yeah, you're not going to scare me into using, you know, your highlighter or your serum. Like I, there are other brands out there that are doing the same thing, if not better. And they're not trying to scare the shit out of me and tell me I'm going to get cancer if I don't use their serum. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm hoping that it slows down and I definitely think you're seeing less of the worst of it, but I do think that, you know, you're starting to see wild crafted beauty really pop up everywhere. And do we really yeah. understand what the footprint of that is? And is it scalable? If it becomes trendy, like clean beauty, 
did. Is it going to be everywhere, in which case it's no longer sustainable? And are we going to see to these wild crafted products what's happened to Bacchu oil, where we're actually seeing the collapse of an actual plant because humans want to put it on their faces, um, which yeah. I think is kind of one of those things where it's like we really need to be reevaluating what we're doing here. Yeah, it's it's kind of fucked, but... I really want to ask you because you're a self-proclaimed moisture barrier enthusiast, which I love so very much. (laughs) I want to talk about just repairing your moisture barrier, protecting your skin, retaining moisture, all that. Because I also, I've seen you. So there's a moisturizer by Dr. Jart, the Ceramidin cream. I really like it because I too, you know, want to make sure that I'm keeping my barrier happy. And I remember you saying something, you're like, I'm not really loving it. And I really, I want to know what your thoughts are. Oh, and And for me, it's like, I am, I still am waiting for a cream that I like. People ask me what cream I like. (laughs) And I'm like, I couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. Because either it has a lot of silicone, which I love silicones. Um, You know, this, this idea that they're, you know, polluting the environment when it's been shown that it actually like gets picked up in wastewater management or the idea that it's like suffocating your skin. It's like, they're very breathable, um, products. (laughs) It's just like, it's all about concentration. And the thing is when you have too much silicone, yeah, it is like having a film over your face and that's why the product pills. Um, so that's like one very important thing to know. But for me, um, I always find that a cream, it'll either sneak in ingredients that I don't like, the reason why I don't love the Dr. Jart is because it does have essential oils in it. And I'm, it really, it tingles my skin. Yeah. It tingles my skin, which is never a good sign for a low, a cream, <gasps> unless if it's like a lactic acid in which you shouldn't be feeling much tingling at all. Um, because that means that it's burning and you never yeah. want things to burn. Um, but for me, I just can't throw out the tube because it's a non-recyclable tube. So I'm like, I need to finish this product. Like I just have to, um, Why do they have essential oils in it for what, why did they do that? Like I don't <laughs> Because experience, you know, scent is an incredibly powerful thing. Like uh, there is a face oil that I will not name, but it uses tons <laughs> of essential oils and people swear by it. And I'm like, it's grapeseed oil. It's grapeseed oil. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's because people love the fragrance and it might boost circulation because you're actually getting a reaction to it. But also I think just the way that you apply oil is really important. Like I recommend not rubbing it into your face patting it into your face and really kind of giving yourself a bit of a face massage is actually very good for it. But I don't love that cream because of the fragrance. Um, I tried Alta MD. Um, I love Alta MD. Renewal. Yeah, that one's okay. Um, it has hyaluronic acid pretty high on the ingredient list, which I don't love. Um, so again, I'm still looking for the one, yeah. you know, I still haven't found my soulmate for a cream. Um, <laughs> I will say that like I'm making our chemist, um, come up with like 30 variations for a cream that we're going to be coming out with that will oh have God. a lot of ceramides. So the thing with ceramides that you want to look out for, and this is why I was like, Dr. Jart, why is that they have yeah. multiple ceramides. So when you're seeing three, four, five, six ceramides, the more ceramides you see, the better it is for your skin because it's actually, um, you need more than just one to actually okay. rebuild it. Cause you have a variety in your skin. Um, so for example, CeraVe, they use three. So that's like the, if you see three ceramides, the product should be pretty cheap. If you start to see like five, six, seven, and a clinical study against the product, that's where you should see it being a little bit more expensive. To give you context though, Alta MD has, I believe five or six ceramides and a clinical study and it's 50 bucks. I'm really not into creams that are over like $60. And you talk about that a lot. And I, and I, I mean, I, 
I felt that way for a long time, but it was just based off of like, you know, just like my little personal opinion. Like, I don't think any oil needs to be super expensive because oils are not expensive. So why is it? I've tried La Mer oils before that were like $200 mm-hmm. for what? For no, like you're paying for the packaging, which even that's not anything exciting. So what the fuck are you, I know, what are you paying for? I know, it's interesting. Because like, you know, you look at like designer handbags, right? Yeah. And a bag is a bag, right? Like, is the actual function of a trash bag any different than <laughs> of a designer bag? No, it holds your shit. But people like the status. So that's, yeah. I think it's the same from a consumer perception um, standpoint. But for me, what I find interesting is that you know, Instagram allows you to flex your designer products. So I think that might be more of it. But I honestly believe that like some people are just like secretly using like, you know, like drugstore products in the background, because I'm like, if you used all 40 of those products on your face, like you'd have a wound. Like, I don't understand how you do that. Um, I know for a fact, a lot of people are not using the skincare products that they talk about. And it deeply upsets me. And I do have to resist the urge to tell them, please stop talking about skincare. Just stop. Just don't talk about it. Just if you're, if you're not using, (laughs) the product and you don't know what the, and also like, and and we were talking about this before we started recording, which everyone has such different skin, which is why like I, I will, if I love a product and I do feel like it did something for my skin, I obviously want to share it, but I also want to make it clear. Hey, listen, this worked for like my skin for me and my skin is not the Mm -hmm. same as yours. So, you know, maybe if we have similar skin concerns or texture or whatever, maybe it might work for you too, but it genuinely might not work for you, you know? So I, I, I'm always really reluctant. The way I get my ceramides will be different than somebody who has really oily skin. You're probably going to want a slightly different formulation. Um, and I think that like, you know, when we're formulating for do, it's like we are focusing on internal beauty as well. We're going to be making it price transparent, which I'm super excited about because we want to show you how brands mark up supplements. Very excited about that. But when you're looking at the topical applications, we're trying to make it as universal as possible for some of our products. And then we'll have specific lines for, um, more specific skin concerns. Um, like for example, we think that everybody wants less inflammation and more brightening. So that's going to be our first hero product. Uh, when you're looking at, um, products, like everyone's going to need something a little bit different. So the way I get my ceramides, I'm also layering in a ton of occlusives. Occlusives don't work for people with um, acne or pores that clog easily. So there's always going to be a bit of nuance, but when we're formulating for do, we're trying to think about how do you create products that address um, a broad spectrum of things. So for example, pollution is obviously something that's um, problematic, but it's mostly because it's inflammatory. So how do you reduce that inflammation? It's not about like reducing the pollution that touches your face. It's about giving you more antioxidants, but also um, helping you with that inflammation response. So, okay. I've been hearing about do for a while now because <laughs> I'm friends with Marta, who's who's a the co-founder with you, and I just want when when can we expect do and what like what can we expect from do because I if anyone should have a skincare line, it is you. So I want. <laughs> I need to know when I can give you my money because I want to give you all my money. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because, well, it's not funny. It's actually horrifying. But what's happened with COVID is that we really want to be respectful about what we're launching, the price point, and being really realistic about what's happening. Um, You know, I I think a lot about people that are on the front lines. I really see doctors, nurses, and the staff that support them. Everyone from down to people who are doing the cleaning are really our our front lines. They are our soldiers. And, um, you know... 
we initially wanted to launch with just Edible Beauty. We did not raise very much money um, for this initiative. So um, we wanted to launch with just Edible Beauty and we realized that we really wanted to do something that could actually help um, you know, more people and be a little bit more relevant for right now. So currently we are conducting a clinical study on cannabinoids. We're doing our first study, which is actually looking at inflammation, but also basic HRIPT testing, which most brands don't do, but it's basically um, to see if your product gives a reaction. So we did that test on a hundred people. It's really hard right now because we take their temperatures before they come in. So it's like delaying things, but then we're doing a clinical study on cannabinoids just on the inflammation and redness front. So that's going to be a smaller study that is then going to go into a hand cream and hand sanitizer duo we're looking at. We won't be putting any um, CBD into the hand sanitizer. And what we're planning to do is actually when you buy one, you can donate one. Um, so that we're really excited about um, TPD on launch date. We had a whole product line list set out, but we wanted to move up. We were actually planning on doing this product um, later in 2020, but we just moved it up because we're like, people need this a little bit more yeah. and we really want to give back. Because at the end of the day, I don't really think that people making hand sanitizer just to keep their factories open, um, making hand sanitizer just to turn a profit is great. So, you know, for us, it's not going to be like a gangbusters in terms of like profits or anything like that. But we will give you price transparency so like that you guys can see exactly what that breakdown is and what that cost is to make both our internal product and our topical product. And I think that that's something that's so important, but also like the fact that you you guys are kind of rescheduling everything that's happening with your launch based off what's going on, I think just speaks volumes about where you guys heads are at and your priorities. Because like we were discussing before, I mean, having a like a product that's going to help with like redness and, and all of that, but also help sanitize your hands is something that I'm sure a lot of people in the medical field would appreciate right now. And the, the whole buy one, give one thing I think is so important and so special right now, because it's just going to add that little bit of like, a little bit of like love and happiness that I think that everyone needs a little bit more of right now, because just everything going on is so stressful and so crazy. And regardless of whether you're staying at home or you're at a working at a hospital, I think mm -hmm. everyone is just kind of freaking the fuck out. So yeah, any little thing like that can be done. It's kind of nuts too, because a lot of people are making hand sanitizer to keep their factories open. So it's actually a way to produce other products, which is something they don't really tell you. And like, I'm conflicted on that. You want people to keep their jobs. You also don't want people to have to go yeah. into factories and potentially, you know, spread this disease. So, you know, for us, we actually work with um, really like specific factories. Um, one of them is actually operating on a skeleton crew. So that's definitely delayed our launch no matter what, um, regardless of whether we produce that product. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a really tough situation. Businesses have to make really hard decisions. So for us, we're just trying to make the best um, decisions that, you know, we think that we can right now while also providing really transparently priced products for people. And and that's I really do respect you guys for doing that. And and just in general, I find that when brands are transparent about kind of how much they're spending on everything, it just makes more sense and I feel like okay, yeah, like I feel better about this purchase. It feels like a smarter purchase because I know what I'm paying for mm -hmm. and it feels good and it's like you can feel good about it and then also have a product that your skin is going to 
love is it just I don't know I'm I'm really into like yeah well, kind like of CBD. voting with my wallet yeah. type of thing yeah like CBD used to be expensive two years ago now the cost yeah. is like as much as any other ingredient did any brand change their pricing no they're still charging you like $200 for a CBD face cream and so for me it's like you know it's costing them maybe like under a dollar per product and that's their hero ingredient and there's no reason to market up 20x in my opinion yeah I mean Trust me, I've used and I mean, I have loved serums, CBD serums that I later found out because they were sent to me. So I was just like, oh, let me try this. And then I was like, oh, this is $160. Holy shit. Why is this $160? Like that to me just seems outrageous. And it's just, you know, CBD is really hot right now and mm-hmm. has been. So they know people are going to still buy the product. And it just, it's, and and the thing about CBD is is I I am a huge fan of CBD. I love CBD. Um, but you know something that I think I do think it is something that research still needs to be done on, and it, 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 it's it it works for me, so I like it. You know what but I mean? I, mean, I do think it's yeah. super promising. So we yeah. were talking about retinol earlier and how retinol yeah. talks to receptors in your skin, and that when yeah. a skincare product can actually talk to receptors, it truly is potentially a hero ingredient. Lactic acid is another one that we know not only does it dissolve the building blocks in your skin to kind of like, you know, um, increase cell turnover and reveal brighter skin and things like that, but it can also you know, boost hyaluronic acid and it can boost, you know, other things in your skin. The same thing is true for cannabinoids. So there are receptors in your skin, the endocannabinoid system that actually can potentially talk or react to these cannabinoids. So we don't know what that reaction is, but what's also true is that CBD is only one of many. So if um, CBG or cannabigerol, if that actually leads to a different response in your skin, then that's where I think you're going to see CBD skincare go is that we need something that's more precise than just something that says full spectrum. Full spectrum means nothing. It means nothing. (laughs) It's been taken completely out of context. And at the end of the day, they always talk about how like the entourage effect and all of these different plant materials impacts your skin. Okay, then if that's the case, then how can you guarantee that from one crop to the next, it's the same? And don't you want to tell me what actually in the products that's doing different things. I like full spectrum for eating because again, your body is a filter. You have the liver to kind of process your system. Your skin is not the same. So I'm not about to slap any full spectrum product on my face. I want to know exactly what's in it. And I want to know what other quote unquote active plant material is in there because that's just scary to me. It's like at the end of the day, like lead and mercury is found in soil. Like what? Like, no, I want to know exactly what's in there. And also terpenes, are essential oils. So terpenes are fragrances. So for me, I don't, I just, I think that the marketing has gotten away from itself. And it's, it's really kind of one of those things where I think in five years, you'll see kind of a leveling out, but that's why we're doing the clinical studies is because it's an incredibly promising ingredient. Our clinical chemist agrees. She's worked on brands like SkinCeuticals and Korean skincare. Our dermatologist also agrees because of that ability to talk to the receptors, but nobody knows dose. Nobody knows which cannabinoids yeah. do what. Yeah. And so that's where we're starting to dive into research and R&D. And that's really, really exciting because, yeah, like, I mean, I, I think CBD is really promising. I think it's really great. It just, there needs to be more research. There needs to be, we need to figure out, like you said, like the doses and, and all of that, I think. And once that's all sorted out, I do think it is like a really great ingredient that, I don't know. I, f- I found that my skin 
responds pretty well to it but yeah eating it though on the other hand like I love it like it's a game changer like a few droplets and like I'm way more zen and a lot of people will say like oh it's placebo but I'm like even if this is placebo I'm I'm down I'm into it because I I my it makes me happy makes me feel good but I genuinely don't think it's placebo like I really don't No. And I think that it really depends on the company. It depends on how they farm it. It depends on so many different things, but there's a company, um, a pharmaceutical company called Botanics, and it's actually doing a 354 person study on cannabinoids. Um, I believe synthetic CBD for acne treatments, for inflammation treatments and things like that. So if CBD had no merit, they wouldn't be testing these things. So it obviously does. I just think it's one of those things where, again, it's like this weird Venn diagram of what's the price, what's the claim, and how are you going to be able to use it in your everyday life? And if you don't meet those three things, then for me, I'm like, you can probably pass and find a different product. A hundred percent. While I have you, I really want to ask you because I have a new face. Okay. Ah, new face. Love them. (laughs) Here's my question. How, when do you use it? How often are you using it? Because I have one and I'm not going to lie. I really, it's neglected. It has dust on it. Like actually, like not even me hyperbolic. There is dust collecting on it because I don't, I don't know. Like the only time I find that I want to use it is at night, but I'm like, I feel like it's probably best to use it during the day. Correct. And so, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So I'm like, is it a waste of time if I'm just using it at night? Like, is this even doing anything? And then you put this conducting gel on and it feels sticky. So then I want to wash my face Mm -hmm. after. So I'll, I'll give you the lowdown. So the thing is, is that going to a facialist, so I love SB Skin here in New York. I'm very sad that she, you know, is, well, obviously she needs to self-isolate, but I wish I could get a facial from her right now. She uses like <laughs> the real microcurrent. New Face is great for right now because we're all kind of stuck in our homes. But the thing is, if you do not use it every day, I sometimes use it twice a day, it will do nothing for your skin. It is consistency to the max here. So every morning without fail, I use my new face. I've been doing this for six months. So, or over six months now. So it all started because I started an article for Into the Gloss and I messaged the editor and I was like, do you want me to write about this? And I was like, I haven't used it. Let's see if it works. And two months in, I was like, this product is bullshit. And I attached (laughs) the two pictures, the before and after. And I was like, see how much bull, oh my God. And I was like, wait, my face looks different. I was like, is this real? So I was like, let me do it for another month. So I did it for another month and then it was more apparent. And it was simple things like um, the under my dark circles were slightly diminished. And I'm not talking like I have a different face. It's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. enough where it's like my, my face is a little bit more chiseled. I call them cheek dents. I've never had cheek dents before. One of my friends actually asked me if I got fillers. I did not. Um, this product can actually break which this product can actually break down Botox because it actually moves your muscles and Botox is about paralysis. So to be, to be clear, if you have Botox, be a little bit careful using this product if you don't want to disintegrate said Botox. Um, but basically what it does, right. It, um, stimulates ATP production and which then can talk about like elasticity and things like that, but it also increases the tone of your skin, right? So you're talking about muscles. So when I use it on my cheeks, I do find my cheeks are slightly more defined. Again, this is not going to give you a new face. I just think that my face looks better with it than without it. So I like using it every day. I'm not, I'm not expecting a miracle, 
But I am curious to see like, if I keep using this for years, how is it going to impact my skin? I don't use it on my neck. So I really have the routine down pat to like five minutes. I pop on a podcast and I go on my merry way. I also don't use their conductive gel. I use water and then I put um, like a shitty Walgreens like aloe gel, like the disgusting, like neon green one. So you wet your skin. I wet my skin because it's about conduction, right? So if you're thinking about electricity, like when something's dry, you're not going to get shocked as much, which in most cases is a great thing. But in this case, you want some shock value. So you want to actually wet your skin, then put on um, something that is conductive, like an aloe vera gel. Um, That sonogram gel is another thing that can actually work. It's just, I think it's just called conductive gel. Um, And so then you want to use that for your routine. So again, is it as good as what you're going to get at a facialist? No. When I leave Shamara's, like I actually, like my eyebrows look like insane. Like it looks like I just got them done because they're so arch. Yeah. But is it good if you're going to use it every single day, you're going to commit and you're going to commit for months? Yes. For a lot of people, that's far too much of a barrier. And I totally get it. Like I don't have kids. So there you and, go. <laughs> and also I'm, I'm, I'm in quarantine right now. So I'm like, maybe now is the time that I should start trying to build this new face morning routine. I, the one thing that's my turnoff is like, I don't want to wake up, wash my face, do this new face thing, wash my face again, even though I wash my face in the morning just with water. I don't use a face wash, but like, I just feel like, why am I washing my face twice? Do you, do you have to I wash rinse, your face after? Well, I like, rinse my face. Um, I made the mistake okay, okay. of getting an aloe gel that was very high in citric acid. Citric acid mm. is used as a preservative, but when it's too high on the ingredient list, it'll just burn your face because citrus in general is not great for your skin. There's this misconception that vitamin C is like citrus. It is not vitamin C, L-exorbic, and a lot of its derivatives. It should Your product should never smell like oranges or lemons. That just means they've added perfume to it. And that includes like grapefruit peel. It actually increases phototoxicity. So like when you go outside, you're actually more sun sensitive if the dose is high. So I made the mistake of not washing off this aloe very high in citric acid and I burned oh, my no. face. So in those cases, you're definitely going to want to wash your face after. But for me, I actually just rinse my face. I don't wash my face before doing it. I then put on this gel. I then rinse it again. Sometimes I'll use a very, very gentle milky cleanser um, because I don't really believe in washing your face aggressively first thing in the morning. You don't want to be stripping your face. Um, mostly because like, unless if you're running marathons in your sleep, like you're not going to be sweating or doing too much at night. Like there's no debris. You're not outside. You're presumably in the dark. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's resting. Um, so I only recommend very gentle cleansing or none at all in the morning. Um, but all that to be said, you know, it is a pretty big commitment, but at the end of the day, I do think that my face is different. In a, in a better way. And I do have and before and afters on Into the Gloss where I wrote the article. Um, but it's important to note that I also went to SB Skin. I went to Shamara to also get microcurrent. So that combination really gave me like some chiseled cheekbones. And I saw the before and after pictures and I was just like, this, this is insane. Like, is it, like, I don't know. Like, I think that your face is like, you know, obviously like beautiful but like the chiseling and the cheekbones like it literally looks like you got filler in your cheek which is so <laughs> crazy to me so that's why I'm like I have to I have to start using my new face now like I'm, I'm I've been convinced but literally the only thing is I'm like oh 
to have to wash my face twice in the morning. Like that seems like too much washing. But again, what else do I have to do with my mornings now? I can be as slow as I want. I can I can use my new face for 15 minutes if I want to. I probably won't. But I know. do when I watch TV sometimes. Um, I find that that's helpful. I got the LED attachment, the one that does like red light therapy. But Ooh, how do you like that? It's, it hurts my arm doing it all the time. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> like I'll do it like every once in a while, and it's like funny for Instagram. But my arm hurts, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that you can go too far using beauty for self care. Like I do think that it is really nice to not look at your phone, stress scroll through Twitter for a minute, and for me, that typically is when I'm rubbing my face. But also, it's like at the end of the day, like I don't also overdo it. Like I'm not out here yeah. trying to you know, completely redo my face by the time, you know, we're out of quarantine or even focus on my face to be quite frank now that we're in quarantine. Yeah. And I just like, for me, when I was, I think there was a point when I was younger where I was so obsessed with like exfoliating, exfoliating, exfoliating. But now I've come to realize like exfoliating is great within reason, but like, I want to just make sure that my barrier is healthy. That's that's kind of the goal for me. As long as I feel like my skin is healthy, glowing, not dehydrated, I'm good. You know exactly. what I mean? Like that, that, That's kind of my skin goal is like I want my skin to feel and look healthy from the inside out. And that's that's always what I'm going for. And all these extra things are just fun little additions where if, if I'm in the mood, if I have the time, if I feel like I want to look special – they're all great. Like, you know what I mean? But 100%. they're definitely like, not. Yeah. It's just like, I'm seeing all these really cool, like jelly masks where you mix powders together and it turns into like goop and then you put it on your face. And I'm like, that looks really fun. And I want to do that, but it's not like I'm expecting it to change my face forever. It's like a treatment. Exactly. It's, and I think that there are a lot of really great treatments out there, but it's really important to realize that they're not going to have long-term effects. And I'm much more into, I'm interested in long-term effects. I'm interested in kind of, you know, aging gracefully because I, I know just like we were talking about genetics, I see my mom, I see my dad, do they have completely different skin? Yes. But it gives me an idea of what my skin is going to look like. And so I know I am, you know, I'm getting age. It's fine. Everyone ages, but I'm like, I want to, I want to age at a slower speed. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Trust me. Like I I already have a ton of gray hairs. I mean, to be fair, I do cover my hair with a scarf, but at the end of the day, even if I don't give a shit, like that's the thing. I'm just like, I'm okay with it. I like the gray hairs. I think they're fun. I look like Storm. Um, (laughs) Agreed. I'm like, I'm not doing this yet. And if ever, like I really just want like that beautiful silver mane of hair. Like I don't know how attainable that is. But for me, it's like, it's why I don't get Botox or fillers. It's not because I don't like them. I think that, you know, um, hyaluronic acid is actually great as a filler. Um, lots of derms tell me this, um, particularly for like lip fillers and things like that. But for me, I'm actually just like curious as to like what my face is going to look like and if these products work. And even if you get Botox or fillers, it's not going to change the integrity of your skin. And so it's not going to change the tone or the luster or the firmness of it or, you know, how comfortable it is too. Like dry skin is deeply uncomfortable. So for me, you know, when my skin's pulling, you know, because it's so dry and this can be in the middle of summer, you know, when it's super humid, it's like, yeah, I want to do something that makes it more comfortable. And so that's really what I focus on too, is like making sure that everything is balanced because if I don't, then I do have really dry skin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Charlotte, this has honestly been so fun, so informative, like truly like one of the most stimulating conversations I've had in a long time. But where can people find you online? We know you're on TikTok, but where else can people (laughs) find find you on TikTok? I'm like scared of TikTok. Um, So you can find me on Instagram at Charlotte Parlay. And we are going to be launching content for do soon. So it's at D-I-E-U-X skin. And then we talk about weed and other nice plants over on its nice paper on Instagram. And it's nice paper is also just like beautiful, just beautiful content, honestly. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like really great. Just like, inform- like it's just really informative. And yeah, follow, do follow Charlotte. Honestly, I'm going to just put in a request. I want to see an oil face massage video on TikTok. That's what I want to see because I love massaging my face, but I have no idea if I'm doing it right or if there <laughs> even is a right way to do it. So that's, the, I'm going to make a little TikTok request right now. But yeah, definitely follow Charlotte on all the things. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Nor E. You can follow the podcast at Arab American Psycho, where you're going to see a picture of Charlotte's beautiful face. And <laughs> this has been really fun, guys. I will talk to you next week.